First John 4, if you want to follow along while I read. Dear friends, I love, I'll just interject here a sec. I love how John so many times says, dear children, dear friends, beloved. Um, because if, if you remember in the Gospels, it was uh, John and his brother James who wanted to call down fire from heaven and destroy a whole village because they didn't welcome Jesus into their village. And he and his brother were called sons of thunder because they were, and so it's great to see that, you know, over the years as we draw closer to Jesus and grow in him and grow in intimacy with him, how, how it changes us, right? We change from being brash and harsh and what we are in our, can be so often in our natures to, like John is here, you know, just dear friends, dear children, beloved. So, you know, there's hope for even somebody like me. First John 4. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Let's pray. Father, um, there is a lot of falsehood and a lot of deception um, out in the world. And, and every one of us have been uh, fallen for deception or trickery. Or, um, but Father, in this spiritual realm, uh, I pray and I thank you for these words from your word. And I pray that you would use them to to teach us and to establish us and, and to make us a people who are confidently walking in the truth in relation to Jesus and not distracted or um, detoured by deception around us. So we give this time to you and pray you would teach us through your Holy Spirit. Amen. Don't you hate to get played you know, um, tricked or deceived. Um, you know, I've shared this before. You know, I, um, you know, the get rich quick schemes that that the only ones who get rich are the ones who are offering you to get rich. 
And so you spend some money and they get rich and it just never seems to work. You feel played. And, and yet there's that temptation to do it again the next time, right? Or what about the special deal that's only special maybe to the individual or business that fools you into thinking it's special when it's really a ripoff? Or maybe, you know, one of the big things nowadays is, you know, computer spam, you know, the stuff that comes to your email and thankfully, you know, with spam um, checkers, we don't receive a lot of them. But actually, this, just this past week, one came to the Coffee Oasis. And uh, Eric, our roaster, was really excited when this <laughs> email came. It came to like three of us. And he was really excited because this is what it said. It, the, the individual who emailed was requesting to purchase 85-pound pieces of French roast coffee. Eric was really excited, but, you know, I read that. You don't call it that. 85-pound pieces of coffee. Um, I mean, at least we call it bags, you know. And the thought of selling 400 pounds of coffee to somebody, you know, it's pretty exciting. Well, to Eric, I was like, so Megan emailed this person and said she'd love to get a phone number so that we could talk to them. Well, of course, we never got the phone number because all they were wanting was for us to naively send them 400 pounds of coffee um, that we would never get paid for. Deception. You know, it's, it's why when we have an internet account, and I think most people who are still alive have an internet account, um, um, if you forget your password to an internet site, there's a process that you have to go through, right? To, uh, there's a slew of questions that you have to answer um, that, and that you've put in there yourself. Questions like your mother's maiden name, that's probably the most common one, uh, your favorite pet, uh, your favorite grade school teacher, uh, childhood friend, which if you can't answer those questions, you're, you're not told what your password is. Because then obviously it's not you, it's someone posing to be you. Which of course is why I can't tell you who my favorite childhood teacher was because then you would try to impersonate me and get my money in my Swiss bank accounts. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> How did everybody find out what my salary is? I don't know. <laughs> Deception. Um, it's in the religious realm too, isn't it? It's not just on the internet. Um, it was just a couple of weeks ago, again, where I saw an article about uh, televangelists who are living in luxury homes and flying around in their Lear jets, generously provided for them by duped, deceived individuals who send them their money in the hope that they will be blessed by God for doing so. It's a despicable religious 
deception. And they're everywhere, using God to rip off people. That's what it is. Deceivers using God to rip off people, claiming to be all kinds of things, claiming to be prophets or healers or scholars or whatever else they think will work to deceive people and get from them what they want. Um, it's the worst kind of deception, I think, um, religious deception, um, although all deception is horrible. We had a friend who fell for a, a life insurance scam and lost $100,000. It totally broke her, this sweet elderly lady. Deception, religious deception, keeping multitudes. And what, what particularly irritates me and angers me about religious deception is because it not only, it doesn't just take people's money, but it takes their, it takes them and keeps them from really knowing and growing in intimacy with Christ. Because they're forever being duped by deceivers offering them something that is not really true and can't really satisfy. Religious deceivers. And that's what's happening in 1 John. Um, as Paul is writing to these believers, that's why he's calling them friends and children and beloved. He's writing to believers, and, and many of them have been duped or deceived by uh, individuals, and the word for it is Gnostics, who... Um, um, have a lot of false beliefs, but they come across or they came across as having a special gnosis or knowledge that, uh, that they could enlighten people with in a way that they couldn't get it any other way. And, and they taught that um, flesh is evil and therefore Jesus didn't really come in the flesh. They denied the incarnation. They lived immoral lives. And, um, and so that's the people that John is writing to, people that have been deceived and duped. And, and you know, it, I'm sure that, that among us here this morning, there have been some of us that have been and maybe are even now being duped by someone who calls themselves spiritual or someone who comes across as a religious teacher or a or a prophet, or uh, a scholar. Um, one of the, it, it just came to my mind, one of the worst places, if this is where you get your biblical, quote-unquote, information from, is the History Channel. If, if that's where you get it from, I, you're being duped. I, I met with somebody a couple of times who has totally distorted and a twisted understanding about who Jesus was and what the Bible teaches because they're getting their information from the History Channel, which is to a great degree people that don't even believe in Jesus and don't regard the Bible as God's word, and yet they're coming across as Bible scholars. Uh, look at John, 1 John 3.24 as, as we get started this morning. And this is what's going to get us going. In 1 John 3.24, it says, The one who keeps God's commands lives in him, and he in them. And this is the phrase that says, And this is how we know that he, God, lives in us. We know it by the Spirit he gave us. 
by the spirit he gave us. But this is the question as we're going to come into chapter 4 and verse 1, the question that was on John's mind and that he wanted to put across to the, the believers that he was writing to. The question is, if, if we know that God lives in us by his spirit that he gave us, the question is, how do we know then what is really the Holy Spirit and what is not? What is true spirituality and what is not? Do we just take someone's word, accept their claims, and get played? Hopefully not. Look at 1 John 4.1 as we come into this passage. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And what John is writing to them about is these Gnostics, and he could be writing to us today about the multitudes of other individuals who call themselves spiritual, call themselves teachers or prophets or scholars or healers or whatever. It doesn't matter the label. They come across or communicate to us that they are from God when really they aren't. The spirit that is within them is not the Holy Spirit influencing them. But as we're going to read on, a spirit that comes from the enemy, the evil one, out to distort and distract and keep us from knowing and growing in intimacy with Christ. And that's the focus of 1 John, intimacy with the truth. And that's why John is so passionate about exposing deception is because it will keep you and it does keep us from really knowing and growing in intimacy with Jesus. We're constantly looking for that answer or that one who will give us the answer. You know, when Jesus returned to his father, when he, after he died and rose and, and ascended back to heaven, he, he gave, he provided the Holy Spirit to, uh, to live within us and to be our comforter, our encourager, our revealer, the one who would reveal Jesus to us and our empower who would, as it says in Acts 1.8, who would, the power that we would receive to, to live for Jesus and, and, and represent Jesus. Uh, in Romans 8.9, Paul says, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. <laughs> The person and the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit is absolutely fundamental to what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and, and to live for Jesus and represent Jesus in a powerful way. He is our means, our soul means to live as Jesus intends us to. And yet, there's a lot of deception out there too. There's a lot of deception out there too. And so the question is, how do we really know what is the Holy Spirit and what is deception? What John is indicating is that everyone who claims to be spiritual isn't spiritual, full of the, of the Holy Spirit. Everyone who claims to speak for God is under 
either the influence of the Holy Spirit or under the influence of another spirit, not from God. And if we're going to, again, know and grow in a relationship, intimacy with Jesus, it's so important that we understand this. But, I, but, as, but before we get into it, I must warn you that you know, as I've wrestled with this, and uh, this isn't easy. on the surface to tell the difference. I, I want you to consider um, experiences and miracles, and signs and wonders are amazing and, and they're in the scripture and they're what God intends for us, but, but experiences, supernatural experiences and miracles, as amazing as they are, can be false. The Bible tells us that. In, in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, it says the devil disguises himself as an angel of light. And in Matthew 7, it says many will say Jesus is coming. We prophesied and we cast out demons and we perform miracles in your name. And Jesus will say, good job. Right? No. He says, I never knew you. Meaning that there's spirits out there influencing and working through flesh and blood human beings performing miracles and making prophecies and, and teaching and leading, and it's all leading people astray, keeping people from Jesus. But on the other hand, and this is the other hand, that it says what, is, what seems uncomfortable or weird can also be true. You understand what I'm saying? See, what seems amazing can be false, but also what seems uncomfortable. Just, just a couple of illustrations from the New Testament. I mean, once, I mean, there's a lot of bizarre things in, in the Bible. One of them is where the Holy Spirit grabs Ezekiel by his hair and transports him to another location. Now, that doesn't make me comfortable. Or, or consider the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the 120 people in the upper room and, and because of the way they were acting, they were accused of being drunk. Now, that doesn't make me comfortable either. But it's in the, it's in the Bible. I, mean, I, I guess I'm wanting us to understand that, that what we're talking about isn't necessarily... On the outward, it's, we're not seeing this from an outward perspective. We've got to see this from God's perspective if we're not going to be deceived because two things are important as we come into this. Number one, we don't want to be deceived by false spirits working through false prophets, teachers, leaders. But on the other hand, we don't want to quench the spirit either. The, um, listen to this in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Listen to what it says here. It says, as soon as I find it, I'll tell you what it says. 1 Thessalonians 5.19. I think, just a second. Oh, here we are. Different Bible than I was studying in. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, it says, Do not 
quench the spirit, verse 20, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. So we don't want to be deceived, but we don't want to quench. Okay? So how do we do that? How do we know what is the Holy Spirit, what is of the Spirit, and what is not? And, and in 1 John here, we, we saw it again in 1 Thessalonians, the, the word is test. That word to test. And, and the idea of the word, we're to test so we can prove what is genuine, what is of God and, and what is not. And so we're going to come to 1 John here, and it's a simple twofold test. If someone claims to be spiritual, claims to be from God, operating in and demonstrating the power of the Spirit, these are two questions to ask, okay? The first one is 1 John 4, 2 and 3, and I'm, I'm going to read it again. They're really important. It says, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges, and the word literally is confesses, admits, declares. This, um, I lost my place. This is how you can recognize every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. The first question in discerning, in is this of God or is this not of God? Is this the Holy Spirit? Is this a false spirit? And what I'm hearing is, are they by Jesus dominated? Are they by Jesus dominated? And a couple things. Number one, is there Jesus a biblical Jesus? Is there Jesus a biblical Jesus? Um, I just finished reading a, a, a wonderful book called Death of a Guru, and uh, his name is Ravi Maharaj, and he was, grew up in Trinidad, a Hindu. He was a Brahmin, which is like the highest caste among Hindus, and he was on a path. Uh, his dad, like for eight years, was in a trance. He was, uh, and then he was to be heir of the, his dad's yogic yoga um, he was to be, he was a Brahmin, and, and for years as a young boy, he was progressing, and he studied in temples, and, um, and then amazingly, it just, um, he came to Christ, as even in the midst of all of this, he realized how empty he was, and how, and he could see the deception, he came to Christ, uh, his whole family, except his mother, came to Christ. Um, his mother ended up actually going to India and becoming a swami uh, under a guru in India. He went to visit her, and, uh, and as they were talking, she tried to tell him, she says, I accept Jesus too. He's, he's one of my gods. And, and Robbie's response was, Jesus isn't just one of many gods. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He alone is God. Um, 
the first question is so important is, are they by Jesus dominated? These people that are professing to be something or are teaching something or doing something. Um, the Gnostics profess to have this special knowledge and, and actually lead people to a knowledge of God that they couldn't have apart from them. And yet their understanding of Jesus was a totally polluted and corrupted they didn't believe that Jesus was incarnate God. And that's so important. Is there, is there Jesus, a biblical Jesus? It can't just be a nebulous or generic Jesus, but the Jesus that someone is professing to represent or the spirituality that someone is professing to represent has to represent Jesus. Or it's just... And, and, and the word spirituality is such a big word today, isn't it? It's, it's a big word. In fact, you know, organized religion has turned off a lot of people and for a lot of good reasons, um, as so much of organized religion has prostituted Jesus. Uh, but because of that, a lot of people have turned away from religion, have turned to spirituality. And But being spiritual isn't the answer. Being being a, a child of God is the answer. Someone who's been saved by Jesus because of what he did on the cross and rising from the dead and exalted to the right hand of the Father above every other rule and authority and principality and power. Spirituality is only genuine if it's rooted in a biblical Jesus. Is there Jesus, biblical Jesus? Is there focus a Jesus focus? I've, um, you know, I would never do this except when we go on vacation and, you know, we don't have a TV at home that works except for watching DVDs. And um, so we go on vacation and, you know, it's the lure of the TV, you know, because you don't have it at home. And, and so um, a couple of times on vacation, you know, we'll flip to the, the religious channel which is very um, bothersome to my wife as I'll watch these, you know, kind of as a discerning, you know, testing the spirits. Is, and, and it's amazing what you see and what you experience as you're watching how so many of these individuals in, in talking to individuals and, and, and teaching and you never hear the word Jesus. <laughs> it's all about money or miracles, and there's nothing wrong with money if you use it rightly, and there's certainly nothing wrong with miracles because Jesus wants us to live in the power of his spirit. <laughs> but if Jesus isn't a part of it, something's wrong. Is there focus, a Jesus focus? Uh, in a conversation with a, a Buddhist friend, uh, um, talking to him about um, the uniqueness of Jesus, he expressed to me uh, just an amazing God experience that he had had at one time, um, seeing, seeing uh, the light and, and experiencing amazing feelings and and I asked him, I said, how do you know it was really God? Because there's so much deception out there. And, 
And his response was simply, I don't know. But it, but it was so amazing. And it was so life-transforming. But I wonder if it was really life-transforming or if it was distracting from him really knowing the real Jesus. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Pointing people to Jesus, not to themselves or to anything else, but pointing people to Jesus, are they by Jesus dominated? I, I encourage you, whether it's something, uh, it's a teacher or a healer or a scholar, whatever it is, if they're not professing and they're not proclaiming Jesus and a biblical Jesus, don't give them the time of day. You're just being deceived or duped and kept from really getting to know Jesus. It doesn't matter how kind they are. It doesn't matter how peace-loving they might come across, how gentle, how compassionate. If they don't proclaim Jesus, the biblical Jesus, you're just being duped and distracted from knowing Jesus. That's the first thing. The second thing, and it, it really flows closely from the first one, it's in verse 6, as John carried on. He said, we are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. And when he says whoever knows God listens to us, John is referring to the apostles, to the teaching of the apostles. John was an apostle. We're from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, the apostles. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us, the apostolic teaching. The teaching of the apostles is this book right here, okay? This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. And the second question is, are they not just by Jesus dominated, but are they to the truth submitted, this book? Are they submitted to this book? The apostolic teaching, the word of God, willing to submit everything to the word of God, their teaching, their actions, their experiences to the word of God. I was reading, and it's really out of my desire to see God work in, in an increasing supernatural, miraculous way among us. I was reading a book, and I can't even remember the name of it, but it's about, it, it's come, it, the title comes from the Lord's Prayer, Your Kingdom of Come, Your Will Be Done on Earth as it is in Heaven, and wanting to see God's kingdom just displayed on this, on this earth through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this guy was giving an illustration of um, someone whose daughter seemed to be very in love with Jesus, and very spiritual-minded for a really young girl, and seemed to be always talking to her guardian angel. And then one day, the father asked this little girl, because she didn't seem to be talking to her, her guardian angel, her, um, says, why aren't, you, why aren't you talking with your guardian angel today? And the little girl's response was, my angel's in a timeout because she disobeyed God. 
And it didn't raise any red flags in this guy's thinking. It was just kind of this cute, like how much this little girl loves Jesus and, and talks with her angel. But man, from my understanding of Scripture, I don't understand that in God's presence where the angels are crying, holy, 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 there's angels having timeouts because they're disobeying Jesus. That should raise a red flag. That should cause us to test. And yet how easily we're deceived and duped because it seems so cute and, and this little girl obviously loves Jesus and so it must be okay. But is it okay? That's what John is saying. Test the spirits. It doesn't matter how cute or how compassionate or how miraculous it might seem to be or how loving. If it doesn't measure up with the word of God, it's deception. It's deception. Are they to the truth submitted? One of the biggest things that concerns me about individuals that are craving to experience the supernatural is how easy it can be to end up holding on to experiences instead of Jesus. Holding on to experiences and justifying experiences and not wanting to question experiences as opposed to not wanting to be in disagreement with the Word of God. Nothing that is of God will ever disagree with God's Word. So what are we going to do about this? Intimacy with Jesus means intimacy with His Holy Spirit, experiencing His presence and power. If anyone is, does not have the Spirit of Christ and is not experiencing Him, it's not of Christ. We, we should want nothing less. And, and, and like I mentioned, that's my desire. And I, I trust as our desire as people who love Jesus and as the body of Christ that we would increasingly experience the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's God's intention. Therefore, the answer isn't. And, and to be honest, in the way I grew up, the answer to protecting ourselves from deception was denying the power of the Holy Spirit. Not really, but really. Denying that the Holy Spirit works today in a way that he worked in the Bible. And you just can't show me from Scripture, as I've looked at Scripture, that that's true. I believe the Holy Spirit is every, every bit as active and, and wants to be every bit as active in our lives and in our church as he was in the day of Jesus. And Jesus said that. He says, greater, greater works will you do. Um, so the answer isn't denying it or rejecting it or being afraid of it. God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, it says in First Timothy, but a power and a love and of a sound mind. And there's no need for fear because, you know, in, in 1 John right here, it says greater is the one who is in you than the one who is in the world. And that's greater is Jesus who is in us, the Holy Spirit who is in us, than the enemy, the devil who is in the world, the God of this world. There's nothing to fear. And so we must long to be filled with the Holy Spirit 
earnestly desire to demonstrate the gifts of the Spirit, as it says in 1 Corinthians. We should be praying and singing, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. But as we do that, according to 1 John 4 here, at the same time we must pray and we must ask him, is it really Jesus? Is it really Jesus? And does it square with the word of God? Is it saturated? Is it centered upon Jesus, the biblical Jesus? And does it square with the word of God? If it does, then let's see God do above and beyond what we could ever ask or imagine through the power of his spirit. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would would pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, fill us, fill me with your Spirit. Father, I want to know the power of your Spirit in a way that uh, people see Jesus in a way that they've never seen him before. Father, do that among us, work among us. But Father, make us a people that is just so Jesus-centered and Jesus-saturated and and the word of God oriented that, that what we experience will be Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit and not some deception that sidetracks us. Father, I pray for your people who would give us discernment at the same time that you give us a hunger for your spirit, you would give us a discernment to know that it is really your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.